Our text today is from Psalm 1. Psalm 1. If you have your Bibles with you, we um, are going to do kind of two weeks around this theme before we head into uh, Sanctuary Summer, uh, which is, kind of starts this July, uh, where Sanctuary North is going to be uh, going to be joining us. Uh, we are a family. For those of you who new, we're a family of neighborhood congregations, and uh, and so on. Uh, we've never done this before. We're going to be teaching on Sabbath. We've been pausing these different series and this walk through the book of Luke to zero in on a couple spiritual practices uh, that we believe are central to the way of Jesus and the way of our community of walking that out. Um, so what we want to do is, uh, is we, we thought, well, if we're going to teach on Sabbath, why not have the whole system just rest? Like let's let, like, or at least some of the system all the, 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 the things that go on behind the scenes, especially with some of our more mobile congregations, to allow all of us to come together for a month. So we're going to be doing picnics every week out on the State House lawn. We have some really fun things planned for summer. Um, but what we wanted to do is kind of bring the congregations together. And not that this is that interesting to you, but I'll share anyway. Originally, it was going to be Sanctuary East Side, Sanctuary North, and Downtown. Uh, but what we realized... Um, and with the East Side team, really, uh, when we kind of brought this idea to them, initially there was some excitement. The more we process, the more there's like been a season of momentum starting to really build as East Side prepares for its like official public launch in the fall. And so as they've been getting used to doing public gatherings and starting getting into the flow of things, they realized actually taking a month away would be pretty detrimental, even though they had enjoy the rest um, uh, from what's happening there on the east side. And I was just, I was taken aback by that, by that pushback because I thought, wow, this is so healthy. Like, right? It's like missional health. We're like, we would love that, but actually I think we need to like put our heads down and like keep grinding here through the summer uh, as we kind of aim toward this thing that God is, is really helping us do and sensing the spirit really just encouraging them to keep going. Um, so there may be some time changes with the east side. Again, that doesn't affect too many of you here or any of you really here. Just wanted to get, give you a heads up as to why starting on the first week of July, you'll see some Sanctuary North people with us, but you will not see any of the east side folks. They didn't just run away. Okay. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. There's a movement to this passage in the beginning. And I, all I want to do is nothing fancy today. Not that it's ever that fancy, but I want to walk us through I say that. I'm doing nothing fancy today. I'm just doing what I do every single week. I want to walk through the text. We're going to jump around a little bit towards the end, but I want to, I want to help us see, see something. See, we're about, um, I meant to look this up. Someone may know this. You can text me and correct me. But we're about at the midway point, I believe, of the year. 
uh, right? Is that correct? I don't remember what the actual day is, but it was just summer solstice. It made me think about how at the beginning of every year, so at the beginning of 2019, I, whether it's via home groups, in discipleship classes, uh, in some leader gatherings, and definitely on a Sunday, you'll, you'll sort of get this, um, try to capitalize in some sense on everybody wanting a fresh start. And so we, we tend to lean in to encouraging folks to reevaluate their disciplines, to reevaluate their rhythms, to reevaluate their practices. So think of this as like a mid-year check-in. Like, how you doing? I'm, uh, how many of you had made a resolution in the beginning of January and you're still at it? Anybody? Yeah? Awesome. I saw two hands go up. You need to be up here preaching this sermon. I, I want to I talk about how, like, how do we continue to pay attention uh, and continue to lean into rhythms, even when they get a little tired, and really asking some questions then about um, our soul. Like, how is your soul doing? And so... This text begins with a, with a, 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 a moment of sort of saying, look, you, um, those of you who aren't walking around or standing with or sitting down with the things that are going to kill you, with unhealthy practices and unhealthy rhythms, like you are blessed and we've talked a lot about blessing over the last year. So bless isn't like God's like, good job not doing that. And like sends you like some lucky charms or something. Like this is not how blessing works in the scripture. It has everything or almost often to do with, no, no, no. You are stepping into them the life of the ages. Like you, there is an implicit uh, beauty and value and joy and goodness by walking the way that we were created to, wait, to, to, to live. Blessed is the one. And then we get this movement who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. This is, this is, um, this is how this works, right? This is how sin works. Like first you begin walking with something that you shouldn't be walking with, right? And, 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 and so you're like this, and then you start to like stand kind of with it, this thing that you, you shouldn't have been walking with in the first place. You were just sort of flirting with. And then as you stand with it, then you find yourself all of a sudden sitting, sitting with it. This is how, how at least I've noticed, as this is an observation of how sin has worked in my life. I begin just kind of walking with something, and, and then uh, it's a bit easier to walk away, right, when you're just walking with something. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not gonna, I don't know why I started walking with that in the first place. I, I can just, I can just turn. And then when you start to stand with something, it, it, it well, it, it, it's a little harder to move, but I can still, I, I can still just kind of go, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna be with this anymore. It's when you start to sit with something, the product of walking with something and then standing with it, that it's much harder to get up. Anyone, anyone sitting with anything? anything in your life you've been walking with and then you started slowing down and just kind of hanging with and then all of a sudden you're really comfortable in that thing. Our friends in recovery know this well. This is how addiction works.
I, uh, in, um, in high school, I think it's maybe even earlier than that, I came upon this, uh, this radio program. I didn't come upon it on the radio. It was just my grandma listened to this thing called Prairie Home Companion. Anyone? Anyone know Prairie Home Companion? Garrison shows, like an old time. It's, it's, I, I love it. He basically did this radio And so he stories in this radio show. It's like an old time radio show that somehow has endured. And so he would tell these stories about this, this town. You guys remember the name of the town? What's it called? Lake Wobegon. Anyone? Lake Wobegon, where all the women are strong, the men are good looking, and the children are above average. That was like his little like tagline. <laughs> nobody, nobody's got this. Okay. Anyway, it was like a total grandma thing. And somehow like I got into it. I listened to one of these stories. I was like, that was an awesome story. And I laughed and I thought, this is so brilliant, right? I'm discovering this at such a strange time. And so I end up starting to listen to this. And I realize if you listen to Garrison Keillor, right, he's the reason he's on radio. He's not the most attractive man in the world. But he has a soothing voice. And so I would start to fall asleep. And then sometimes I would listen to sports radio. And what started was something that I was, and I think I've mentioned this before, that I was just sort of like, oh, every once in a while I'd put it on and it just helped me fall asleep. I, my mind was always racing, always racing. And then all of a sudden I realized that I was sitting with this habit, which was I need to have something on in order to fall asleep. Does anyone in that boat? You have to have something on. Is it, like I, I tried music then to kind of work off this thinking, oh, that would be nice to put on some, like, nice music. And I couldn't do it because I'm, I'm a musician, so I'm super distracted by the music and what they're singing about. And it, I didn't really know much about atmospheric music, and it was before, you know, Spotify days where I can just pull up anything. I'm like, I'm not going to go buy a Yanni record or whatever. I'm really dating myself here. I got Garrison Keillor, Yanni. Anyway, to this day, as I've joked with you all before, is I, I fall asleep to the sweet sounds of Michael Scott from The Office. I literally roll over, and I bet I could do it in my sleep. I roll over, I, 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 um, I turn the, the, the lighting on of the computer way, way, way down so I don't wake up my wife if we didn't go to bed at the same time. And then I, I know how to get directly to Netflix with a couple of key things. Scroll, scroll, boom, office, wherever it's at. And then the, the light goes all the way down, and then I fall asleep with like one earbud in. It, yeah, super unhealthy. It's not, it's not a good habit. So I've been working off this, and in the last year I've started to get a little bit better and not needing that all the time. But even when I would be traveling, I would still, like, I need, I need something. So if I didn't, if I was somewhere, I remember we were staying up at this cabin, and we had no, up by the, the water, and there's no internet at all. Barely could get a signal. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to stay up late. Like, this is not, not healthy. And I tell you, it was like, oh, I was so excited that I could still fall asleep, but it was like two hours later. And I'm usually like right to bed, like Michael Scott puts me down. The point is, hey, start walking with something, this like little habit that then all of a sudden devolves into I can't actually operate very well. I find myself stuck in this rhythm. The psalmist here is giving us this movement and showing us of like what it really looks like to, to, to be captured by something, to have your imagination and your will captured. But what I pick up from the movement in the text is that you don't actually even realize it. All right, this is how sin works. This is how apathy works. This is how indifference creeps in. At first, it's just like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. And then all of a sudden, you're, you've surrounded yourself with people who think life is no big deal. And you have this ironic distance from, you know, 
anything that is filled with joy or love or blessing in the world because that's just too earnest. And then all of a sudden you are sitting in, a, in like a culture that is just unhealthy or unhelpful. I was thinking about sarcasm. Like so, some people, I just started walking with sarcasm. I was never sarcastic before. I got around a friend or a friend group and that's how we all operated in. And then it began to like create this cynical posture and I began to sort of stand in it. And I'm standing at a, a, in, in this bit of indifference. And then all of a sudden I find myself sitting in a critical spirit. The native tongue of a critical spirit is sarcasm. Right? This is where it starts. No one just like becomes critical. No one becomes cynical. No one comes disconnected. No one just loses their faith because they heard like a lecture one time on a, on a TV that, that like changed their whole perspective on things. Like, like no one started walking away from the people that they love the most. Just, it doesn't just, just doesn't just happen. Usually. No, no, there's things and rhythms and discipline and movement that we have that we have to pay attention to. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, this is written pre, like, the Bible coming together, pre-Jesus New Testament. For those of you unfamiliar with the Christian story, basically how we now read back into this is, isn't just blessed are those who read the Torah, which is the first five books. This was the, God, the, the law that God gave these first people. It, it was called, in many writings, the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, the same language given to Jesus was about what Torah was, the law. And so we look at this and read the whole of Scripture, where, where things have been written down, where there is authoritative words on God, the Bible, we go, well, there's something about the one who meditates on the Bible, the one who has like rhythms around the Bible, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Now, the tree likely that's being referred to is a particular kind of tree that I failed to get you a nice slide of, but it's basically a long desert tree, has a huge, huge shadow, and it will stay withered for most of, for, for years sometimes on end. But the ones that where the water comes in and all of a sudden the desert gets it's hit by water, it will be the one that flourishes and produces all of this incredible fruit. And what it does, the tree, is it becomes a, um, it becomes a haven for others. And it becomes obviously anything that produces fruit becomes a thing of sustenance for those that are traveling in the desert. So how do we become like that sort of tree that provides shade and fruit for others? How do we become an awesome tree? That's my sermon today. Those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on it all of the time. What makes that person a tree? They meditate on the law of the Lord. The word meditate is the word haga. Can you say haga? Yes. <laughs> I want to show you another place where this word shows up for a moment. So keep your finger right there in Psalm 1. Turn with me to Isaiah 31. Verse 4, Isaiah 31, another place where this word comes up. Because this is critical. If we don't want to be the person who is walking with, standing with, and then sitting with these things that are unhealthy, that are broken, that are hurting us, that are drawing us away from who we were created to be, well, then how do we not do that? So, so this psalm is giving us some insight into that. Well, those that haga the word of the Lord, those are the ones 
who are kind of like this tree that sits out in the desert that actually produces shade. It doesn't just wither and die that produces fruit. It's a tree living into its treeness. Are you a human living into your humanness? Are you a person living into your personhood? Or are you really, really distracted and becoming a bit more robotic and disconnected than you are a real-life flesh-and-blood human? These are questions we all have to ask ourselves on the regular. Because there's billions of dollars that are trying to pump a dream into our world and pump a dream into your mind. That it's all about like just getting to a place of retirement so you can be secure, so you can have a seashell collection and maybe if you're really lucky, a boat. And then you can go before the king of kings and they can say, what do you have to show for it? And you can say, I worked 60 years and I got a seashell collection and a boat. Nah, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's going to look a lot different. Amen? No, no, no. The dream that everybody, and I'm not being cynical, literally, I can show you TED Talk after lecture after, like, book of how the amount of people who are just commenting and pushing us toward this dream. I mean, it's just everywhere. This is the point. Your pleasure and your intimate satisfaction built in and wrapped around something that I would say lacks a little bit of uh, chutzpah. Isaiah 31.4, as the lion growls, a great lion over its prey, and through a whole band of shepherds is called together against it, it is not frightened by their shouts or disturbed by their clamor. Why would I read you this verse right now? As a li- you should be asking that question, by the way. As the lion growls, this word right here is, can you guess? Haga. The roots of this word, the same word that is used for meditate on the Lord, meditate on his law, is the same word used here of the image of a lion over its prey. So the word's an onomatopoeia, right? It sounds like the very thing that it's actually doing. It's haga, like it sounds like a lion taking down its prey. A fierce tone. One writer says, it should sound like a deep murmuring growl of a lion hunched over its prey, proclaiming to the world around it that it means business. The same word, the exact same word, not just the root of the word, is used for meditate, is as used for this. So contrary to popular opinion, the idea that like spending time with God in the word is to like pull up a chair in the corner of the porch with a good cup of coffee, make sure it's Instagram worthy, and then silently contemplate scripture with the Psalms, and then like just, just, I don't know, like having a little journal time, which there's nothing wrong with and is wonderful. The image is actually one of devouring the text, is fierceness, is I want the truth, and I want the wayness, and I want the life. I mean, think about this, literally. Like, imagine, like, like right next to the picture of a lion ripping apart its prey. Sorry if there are any kids in the room. Lions don't do that. They're all nice. Right next to this lion, right, like a split image. It's just a follower of Jesus, just like, ah, like over their Bible. <laughs> I want to bring out what seems like the ridiculousness of it and <laughs> the foolishness. Isn't that neat that they use that term? I get that. I should be more serious about the Bible. No, no, no. I want to encourage you, as far as it is possible, to take this completely literally. 
As the lion is like, I gotta get some food, I gotta make sure that thing is actually properly dead so that I can eat it. Like, I'm on it, this is everything, this is life, this meal doesn't happen, we have some problems. I gotta bring this meal home to my kids. I gotta bring it home to the cave, I've gotta get it. This is our posture, or should be, towards the law. Meditate, be like a tree in the desert, and meditate. On the, now I'm like a, just a pro wrestler. Um, med, meditate on his word. This is the image, and this is where you will bear much fruit. The psalm says that the person who intensely devours the text is like this tree that bears its fruit in season. But this tree, uh, the Akai tree, only comes to life once every like five years, even to a decade or so. So it's not like this tree is bearing fruit. When it says bears fruit in season, the context for these Jews who are in this area writing this text, this is not like a quick fix thing. Like devouring the text isn't about like I read my Bible a couple times and like fruit. No, let me say this. To begin the journey, I, I find a direct correlation between the joy in my heart and the peace in my heart and spending time with the Lord in the morning. Anyone else? Like, so I don't mean to like throw any shade on that, but... What's happening here is he's saying, no, 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 the more you devour the text, the more you meditate like the tree that when the season, when it's its season, when it's time to throw shade up, when it, good shade, when it's time to throw shade, when it's time to produce fruit, when it's time to lean in, when I'm being called to step up, or maybe it's when things are really hard, all of that devouring and meditating and spending time with God, all of a sudden, oh, you see it. This is why when hard things come and some people just crumble, right? You begin to ask questions. It was hard, same thing was hard for them. Why did they react so differently? Well, I bet we can begin to point to rhythms and where's your mind at and where's your hope been in times of goodness. I think we think sometimes we can just sort of turn on Jesus when things get hard. We can just click it on. And, and not that Jesus won't be your defender in that moment. But like that posture of I know to go before the Lord, my defender. I know that God is my help. And I'm practicing that when I'm like sitting on the beach and when all the kids are around and I've, I like got the promotion. I'm celebrating then. I'm meditating on the word then. I'm as hungry for life then as I am when things are a wreck. So how are we doing? Mid-year check-in. How are we doing with our disciplines? No shame. How, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to step in to a fresh season of discipline? Bears fruit in its season. I, it, for some reason, my mind went to Proverbs 3, 6. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight, is what the proverb says. Like in everything you do, acknowledge God. So let's pull that idea into this idea of, of, of spending time in the word of God. Spending time with the, with the God of the universe. Of being hungry to grow in the way of love and life and richness and beauty. There's a relationship between acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. He will make your path, right? That's a Jewish way of saying, like, he will keep you on the path of life and love and goodness. He'll keep you where the heaven is. 
in all your ways acknowledge him. Maybe we sometimes long for part two without committing to part one. Lord, will you make all the paths straight, forgetting it was built on a, in all your ways acknowledge him. In all that you do, what do you need to do? What are the rhythms that help you acknowledge God in all you do? I've been stopping with my oldest daughter on the regular throughout the day, and I, and I, and I have to really work hard to do this because I feel like one of these like weird plastic super Christian dads that I've always revolted against. Not that my dad was like that, but just sort of had this image of. And so I, I, I and, and throughout the day, um, when something awesome happens, like we went the other day, we got ice cream. Did you know that Like No Utter uh, is a vegan ice cream shop? We're a very dairy intolerant family. Uh, not because we want to be, <laughs> just because we are. We are broken. Brokenness of sin reached even into the depths of my lack of lactate enzymes. So we go to vegan. It's true, the whole earth is groaning. My stomach is groaning. Um, so we, we go to this vegan ice cream shop, Like No Utter, and uh, we walk in. And I'm asking, oh, what might you like? And look at the classic chocolate vanilla. And then I look at this one, and she sees it. And it's just like this pink, it's like a pink sprinkle vomit. And, and, I, and uh, we know the shop owner. And uh, so I go, what, what ice cream is that? And, and Harper is like, oh, my gosh, that, no matter what it tastes like, pink explosion. And she goes, oh, it's called unicorn poop. <laughs> it's like, it's an awesome, awful name. I tasted this thing. It is the sweetest, it's like sweet, like turned up to 15. It's disgusting. It's just like, it's like here's some like raw refined sugar. And then let's pour some corn syrup on it. You know, but she like lost her mind. I have no idea why I'm telling this story. I lost my train of thought. It's not in my notes. There was some reason I was telling you a story about, oh, I can't remember now. That's so embarrassing. Huh? Plastic dad, don't want to be. Oh, thank you, plastic dad. Amen. All right, we'll wipe that from the podcast. Um, she, she, in that moment, as we're leaving, I go, hey, let's take a moment. Let's thank Jesus for unicorn poop. We didn't, like, pray and, like, we'll sit down and, like, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us sinners. Thank you, Jesus, for unicorn poop. No, it's just normal. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Hey, for a five-year-old, I want you to know that if it's good and if it's true and if it's beautiful, it's of God. That's what the scriptures tell us. So you can make an argument that unicorn poop and corn syrup is actually not good for her. But stay with me for the sake of my daughter's, like, walk with the Lord. Like, yeah, unicorn poop. God gave, you know, I didn't break it down like this, but God gave us the imagination to like, co-create with him. God gave us, like, like, to be able to produce and make beautiful things out of the earth. And apparently somebody on a long enough timeline got to unicorn poop. But, like, this is good. And so she just looks at me and she goes, I know. This is her God. This is her view and her lens of Jesus, which I would argue is incredibly biblically accurate. The God of the universe makes all things good. The devil never invented a pleasure, C.S. Lewis said. He only twisted them. But what I'm saying is, is like, in all your ways acknowledge him is something as simple as like, what are the rhythms of gratitude in your life? I've built in a rhythm of gratitude that started as really hard and I was bad at it. And now a year later, like I can't stop doing it. In fact, I should probably dial it down a little bit so she doesn't think her dad's always just crazy. But like as we walk, like that was awesome, wasn't it? Thank Jesus. At the end of the night, we sit down and I ask her, what are you grateful for? 
oh man, this was all awesome. That was so fun. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we got to see our cousins and do that thing. Isn't that sweet? Hey, let's give Jesus a high five, okay, and thank him. That's the worship service that she needs. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There's a relationship there as we devour the word. Or maybe we could say this. Let's flip the beginning of the psalm. It was, hey, be careful about walking with something and then standing with it and then sitting with it. Right? Well, that's all. Those are all bad things. What if it was, what if it was flipped? What if it was, hey, begin walking with gratitude? I trying to practice it even when you don't feel it in your heart. And then begin like standing with gratitude. All right, like I'm getting a little better at this. And then all of a sudden, when stuff gets hard, you're like, oh, gratitude's easy. I've been sitting with gratitude for a long time. I wake up every morning and take a few minutes just to remember that this very breath I was not owed. So the job falls apart. My life isn't built on that, thanks be to God. When you get the promotion, wasn't me. God gave me everything that I need and could ever even do that. Like, thanks be to God. To walk and to stand and to sit is, is, is what Paul refers to in Romans as be transformed by the patterns of your heart. Don't be conformed to the patterns of the world. Don't be conformed to the American dream. Don't be conformed to rhythms of apathy and indifference. Don't be conformed to rhythms that are all about disconnect from reality. Don't be conformed. Don't let entertainment conform you. Let it just literally entertain you now and again. Don't let it like get a groove in your heart. Every time I talk against sin and talk about patterns, I always feel compelled to say this. So for those of you who have been in this church a long time, you know what I'm about to say. But this isn't about, like, ruining your fun. This isn't about, like, just living, like, a, a really difficult, trudge-through-the-mud sort of life. No, it's about, like, getting patterns and rhythms developed and going in such a way that it doesn't, you don't have to walk with them all the time or stand with them, right? You can actually just oh, sit with them. It takes a little while. We know this about mental maps, the science of the brain. We literally build maps by the external influence and by what we cultivate in our hearts and minds. So it's really hard then when we have grooves and mental maps that are unhealthy, sitting with sin, we have to rewire those so they're sitting with health. Anybody, again, who's ever like has a really healthy eating lifestyle, you don't even think about it usually anymore. We didn't raise our kids with a bunch of corn syrup and sugar. Doesn't mean we're great parents. We just didn't have it in the house. But we did that. And now I, I, I can't, like Harper had a donut for Father's Day the other day. She ate about three bites of it and then like, yeah, I'm good. What self-respecting human, never mind five-year-old, puts half a donut down? It sounds like a silly example, but I just mean that. of like we're, there, There's patterns and rhythms and then you get used to things that are good and you're comfortable with things that are good and life-giving. I don't need to binge drink anymore. I got really healthy rhythms. I can go out and just have a glass of wine and enjoy friends. I've realized that the more I build that rhythm in, I don't crave getting drunk. Because even though I would say, oh, I'm nowhere near an alcoholic, that's fine. But every night you come home, you have a big glass of scotch. Check it. What are the patterns and rhythms? 
What are the things that are unhealthy? What are the things that actually by themselves and in moderation are fine, but they're, you're starting to walk with it and stand with it in a way that you shouldn't? Be in the word is what he asks, invites us to here. Meditate, growl, stay on the word. George Mueller says this. The vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion. So the vigor of our spiritual life, the health of our body, will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. He says, I solemnly state this from the experience of 54 years. The first three years after conversion, after I became a follower of Jesus, I neglected the word of God. And since I began to search it diligently, the blessing has been wonderful. Great has been the blessing from consecutive, diligent, daily study. I look upon it as a lost day when I have not had a good time over the word of God. I like to think he was actually thinking of this word Haggai when he wrote that. A good time over the word of God. It's like, I haven't had a good meal. <laughs> and I haven't prayed over the word, P-R-E-Y. I want to give you one more thing. So uh, there's, uh, I'm going to release, some, I'm going to put something out on Monday, just an email, so pay attention. If you're not on our email list, I'll post it to social media too, make sure our team gets that up there. Uh, just some like reminders of study, how to study the scripture, how to get into a good rhythm. Here's some good apps. Here's some things that will like, help you move in that direction if you don't already have that. But I know many of you, you already know how to do this. You have home group leaders who have helped you walk, walk through this. It's just a matter of like, I'm recommitting to this. I want to give you one more though as we close. And uh, I was meditating on Hebrews recently and the passage where don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So we have this word habit come up but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the writer is saying, don't give up. Don't make a habit out of not meeting together. In other words, there's a way that you can make a habit out of something that's really lame and bad, right? We know this is what we've been talking about. In fact, you can habitize mediocrity. That's the greatest danger that I see. We all know and can call out the habits that are really unhealthy. What about when we habitize mediocrity? When we habitize just blah. And I think of this as low-lying fruit. Anybody who's been in this church for a long time, and I apologize if you're new and you're hearing this because I don't want it to sound like some weird fundamentalist thing, but I'm going to say it. You know that we deprioritize Sunday, I think, appropriately because we want to continue to remind people that the church is not a building, but a people. We launched these outposts. We got Lexi starting an Alan and recovery outpost. Right? We've got outposts that are getting started around looking to serve the poor and one that's just starting up around refugees. People who are saying, I, I, I want to join God in the mission and I want this church to get behind me to help me do this thing that God's called me to and to do it well. That's the church. Yes, 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 yes. A thousand times yes. But don't give up meeting together. Don't, don't stop meeting together. See what happens when we don't make it a regular priority to be here even on a Sunday morning every week is this is one of those, e it feels like low-lying fruit and easy places, but when we start to neglect this, I get worried. I had someone in our community come up and say, Andrew, I'm struggling recently because I, I just don't know who's in our church. I'm like, what do you mean? And these are people who are involved and invested in the community. 
And what they meant was, is like, it just seems like it's like a rotating group. You could look out. I know this isn't all of us, but it's like a totally different group of people the week after. And the week after, I have to like catch everybody on the right day. And we started getting into a conversation and they're kind of old school, like Corey and I are. It's like when they were saying, when we do travel, we make sure we go to a church in that city. We look it up, actually, we get really excited to see what the kingdom of God's at work in another city. In other words, like, they've built a regular rhythm that I get together with followers of Jesus every week, at least once a week, and I, he, and I sing together, and I put some truth on my lips. I serve, to, I serve with some other people. I get the house ready. It's good for me to just serve in this kind of context, even if it's the most menial thing. I serve. And then I go through this rhythm every morning. We, can you throw up the gather word table send, Raina? We do this rhythm. This is intentional. We gather together and we sing and we hear scripture and we practice generosity together. And then we, we have like a 35 minute, God willing, but usually 40 minute study of the word. And then every week or almost every week we come and we take communion and we take the bread and the cup because Jesus told us to do this. Do this in remembrance of me. And then we find ourselves sent back out to be the church. So I just say this as an easy one, like maybe for you, you're like, I'm not sure how to study the scripture or no, I've got some good rhythms of that. But there's no, you've got all sorts of other things that you would never miss. You would always standardize because it's good for your work or it's good for your family. And I'm telling you, showing up and being with the body of Christ every week is good for your soul. Is that okay for me to say that? I'm always scared to say that because I just don't want to get the wrong impression. But my gosh, I'm like, this is, this is one of those really basic things that hit me in this text. Even though it's about devouring the word, I'm like, man, we can habitize and make a habit like they did in Hebrews of just a mediocre living. No, I start my week the same way every week. I come ready to hear the word. I come ready to sing. Even songs I don't like, I don't care. I come to sing with my brothers and sisters because they need me too. I need to show up because others need you. Not just you need something. This is not a consumeristic experience. We're here to love each other and serve each other. And we can do that even in worship. Right? Amen? Okay, I'm going to stop now. Let's end here. Is there anything that you are walking with right now? That is no good. Name it. Big group, small group right now. Is there anything you're walking with right now? Name it. Write it down. Is there anything that you are standing around right now? Have you sat down with anything and you're having trouble getting up? Because now you're comfortable with it. Or maybe you just don't see a way out. Or maybe it's just too painful. Let God give you resolve and strength to do that. He says, come and confess. Confess it before God before you come to the table. Confess it before God. Just say, God, there it is. I've been walking with that. I've been standing with that. Maybe it's not just a, a car, an easy to name sin. Maybe it is just apathy, some indifference in your heart. Name it. And then come to the table. Come for his for renewal. Come, not, not just somberly, 
to receive forgiveness for sins. No, come for the renewal that comes with taking the bread and drinking the cup. This reminder of God's presence with you, a reminder of this love that he has for you, calling you back. And let's have some resolve together to step into some new patterns and new rhythms that we might be the people God's created us to be. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us, people prone to wander, people prone to habitize mediocrity, people prone to build rhythms around, around things that are just not as good, not as true, not as beautiful. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can come to you not with, like, shame. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. No, 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 we come before an all-loving Father. He says, no, no, come. I got something better for you. Tell me what you've done. Tell me what you're walking with, what you're standing with, what you're sitting with. Tell me. Allow me into that place. I'm knocking at the door wanting to make things new. Let this be a moment as we come and pray. Maybe some of you just need to come to the front and just kneel at the front. Just to come and just like take a moment and remember God's abundant life for you. And as you take the bread, Christ's body broken and dip it in the cup, his blood poured out for you. May you know and receive the forgiveness that is found at the foot of the cross, the love, the refreshment, the renewal, and the strength. Allow God to draw us close, our faithful Father, the God who gives the life of the ages. In Christ's name we pray, amen.